Hello everyone and welcome back to the 16mm Film Crew. I'm Cindy. And I'm Dale. You can watch us on YouTube. You can like and comment on our YouTube videos and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can support us on Anchor. You can listen to us everywhere podcasts are found at 16mm Film Crew Podcasts. Leave us a rate and review. And visit us on our website at www.16millimeterfilmcrew.com. So this week we watched The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. Here is your synopsis. Henry Sugar, a wealthy man, decides to take on an extraordinary challenge. He wants to master an extraordinary skill in order to cheat at gambling games. This movie stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, Richard Ayade, and Ralph Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes. Um, and is directed by Wes Anderson and adapted from the Roald Dahl book of the same title. So, Dale, what are your thoughts on this short film? Um, this is, I think, what I was, I think, some people like me included were expecting from like Asteroid City. Um, this kind of like. Yeah, I know he gets a shot, you know, being too quirky or like, colorful, but I, this was like a really engagingly fun like story, you know, um, how he kind of interweaved like, like I didn't notice till like, I think it was at one point where all the other characters like between Benedict and all of them were all shooting of everybody else's scenes. I thought that was all really wonderful. I like the use of um this digital like it's clear, like some elements are physical, some elements were digital, uh, and I love the the blending of both those um practical and physical physical effects. Yeah, I feel like this is a genre that suits Wes really well, like the short form type of thing, just because a lot of his stories are told in vignettes. So. Mm-hmm. You know the story within a story within a story, but also just like little stories that could be their own movies. And I really enjoyed this. Like I enjoyed this way more than I enjoyed Asteroid City, <laughs> like way more. But I, because I think that this is a story that kind of does whatever he was trying to do in that movie well and yeah. better. I just feel like one because it's not wandering. I think that's one of the things. It's like it's it's already a story that he's just had to adapt. Um, not that I, I think that his writing is really strong and I actually love most of his movies. It's, it's just that like, maybe with that one in particular, there were just a lot of ideas he was trying to like yeah. put into it and it kind of got lost a little bit. So I like that this is a very succinct story, um, that kind of knows where it is and knows where it's going and that you can have a lot more fun with it. Like you said, like, I really just enjoyed like, not only how his style can be incorporated with this kind of story where you're seeing like different people kind of playing, um, not different people, the same people playing different characters, which I think was really fun. It kind of reminded me of like theater, but like theater when you like don't have money and you kind of just have to use the same people over and over again, (laughs) my theater experience, not like (laughs) professional theater, but um, also just like the fun of like, how they spoke so like the dialogue would be like it was like you were reading the book except they were just saying that in dialogue so they would be like so I said and then they said and like that's kind of how it went and um but it still had that like quick pace quirky feel that Wes is known for so again I just think that this really fits his style of filmmaking um and apparently he's making like a whole bunch more of these or he's already made them so I guess they're just like waiting to come out but I really love the whatever he's doing here. Like the short the short films from these books, like I'm into it. Yeah, he he's like this is like uh one of four Lucky also has the Swan Out, Rat Catcher, and Poison, all roll doll um short stories. But yeah, like you said, this this kind of story within the story format really fits his style. I think, like, you, I'll give you credit once again. He probably was doing too much with Asteroid City. I do think Asteroid City was his also his attempt at appealing to a fan base that aren't don't really like his style a bit. Mm. And so, like, the, I think that really affected how a lot of the the movie felt. Like, there's a certain comedy and a and a heart and emotion. Like, it's really hard to describe, but they like his projects kind of involve embody all that and. 
I don't know. Like, I think this is a good recovery from from that. Like, the, the magic that wasn't there with Outer City is here with this one. Like, I thought, you know, uh, Dev Patel, his role as a doctor, I think that was like most hilarious for me because he doesn't really get a chance to showcase in um, uh, Wes Wes's work or even comedy as an actor. Like, you know, Ray Fiennes could do a bit. So you see him doing playing black humor a bit, like he put, like with the menu. You know, Ben Cumberbatch Cumberbatch is used to bouncing back and forth uh, of course ben kingsley but yeah this is like the first time we kind of see him more of a, a comedic like and a comedic role which i think he did amazing with yeah i want to see dev patel in more things like i think he is such a good actor every time he was on screen i was like very captivated and mm-hmm. he's not like the main character of the story benedict cumberbatch really is but like whenever i whenever he showed up dev patel showed up on screen i was really invested um and i always love because you know wes uses like the same actors in most of his films so i always love coming to an, another one of his films where he brings in new people and then you can see like how they adjust to his style yeah and it's funny that this in Astro City came out this in the same year because he did that with Astro City. He had people who haven't been in his films. Or I know, like, for instance, Scarlett Johansson, I know, did the voice for, like, one of the animated films, but yeah. I don't, she, wasn't, she wasn't, like, live action in it. And it sometimes felt a little awkward watching other people try to, like, for, fit and form their way into his way of making movies. Mm-hmm. And in this, I feel like it just worked perfectly. Like... And the back and forth between like Dev and Richard and Ben, I just loved all of that. I thought that they, I just like when not not. I mean, Ben's been in a lot yeah. of his films anyway, but I just love seeing someone new really like adapt to his style so easily. I think Dev needs to be in everything. Like, <laughs> put him in, <laughs> put him in everything. And the funny, like the funny thing about this story, like I was trying to remember who were all Roldo was. I remember he like did a lot of short stories, some children's book, but children's books like like Doctor Seuss, that kind of vein. Um, but I was like, yo, I don't, I, I, I got him confused. So I was like, why? Like, I, for some reason, when I spread Roldal, my mind went to Roger Kipling, and I was like, this is the same nigga who wrote the Jungle Book. I don't know why, but for some reason, for some reason, I thought that. But yeah, no, like no, this he is... wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, I know. For some Thanks. reason, I don't know. I don't know why my mind, my mind was thinking of Jungle Book. I think it was the um <laughs> the Ben Kingsley scene. But yeah, no, like this, I, I love this. Like I now I need now that I know he has a whole anthology, I'm gonna watch the whole entire anthology. Yeah. Mm, yeah, because I just think it's really, I don't know. I and I like the message of the film too. Where it's like this person who just wants to be rich and like scheme his way into getting more money and then gets it and finds zero happiness and then just decides to use it for good. Like, but then does it stupidly, like when he's like throwing cash. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as he started throwing cash off his balcony, I was like, there's gonna be a car accident. Like, you're gonna cause chaos. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Like, <laughs> like, you're stupid. Like, you were dumb. So, like, to have enough money to like waste years trying to like not let another thought interrupt your current thought is like yeah that's that's the pinnacle of being like rich when you're just like i have like three years to just concentrate on this like who cares so but but i I also love yeah go ahead sorry oh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off like you can finish i apologize i no i was just saying i also like benedict cumberbatch when he does comedic things or like when he teeters on it I like yeah. when he kind of goes back and forth because I think he's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was I was gonna say like this is also uh, funny on how you you grow and mature as a person because his main obsession before to learn how to meditate like do that whole meditation stuff was he said they were like think of the most important person in the world to you. He thought of himself, and <laughs> you know the his whole time he would focus on himself, but like once again once he realizes you know he could die. He becomes like a mm-hmm. selfless um individual, which I thought was, you know, a good good moral to the story, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I also like that they're I like the thing that in this they're like aware that this is a production. Like they mm-hmm. like you know when you can see like the little apple boxes 
but they're look they're they're painted and designed in a way where it blends in with their the background. But they're like aware of that, and they're giving like little winks to the audience, like yes, we know, like this is a story. I just feel like this again was that little. I don't know, Thread was done so much better in this than it was in Asteroid City. Because that was my biggest issue with that movie, was that, like, they kept reminding us that what we were seeing was a play, so we couldn't actually enjoy what that movie was or what that piece of the story was, because they kept taking us out of it. I feel like in this, is just, like, a wonderful blend where it's, like, it's not, like, you know you're watching a story, but it's not so heavy handed when you're getting taken out of the story and you can actually stay present with the characters and what's going on. So I think, again, this <laughs> was done way better than <laughs> what Astro City tried to do. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that he like he kept the aesthetic of this being like a theater production. Like you could see there were times in the beginning where um, Ray Fiennes would like walk forward or Benedict would walk forward and it would like a still look, they would look like they're walking on the stage. And then I remember, um, particularly Ben Kingsley's scene, where all the bushes and trees are coming back and forth, like cardboard cutouts across the stage, kind of thing. And kind of he used like those painted set effects, yeah, along with uh, a lot of the backdrops. I could tell were um were green screen behind behind actors. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was like a, a beautiful blend of creativity and like and beyond the story structure of you know of Astrid City. Like I know you talk about the scenes where the actor playing the actor is at like a uh um off broadway theater school kind of thing and like those threw me off but also the fact that it was shot in a movie style like this one says we're we know it's a theater and we're going to keep that like seeing those elements come across screen or when the set would move out of frame and a new set would come in and the characters there i love like they he perfectly embodied the theater elements of this project more so than the last one yeah he really did a good job with this. And the production design is just phenomenal as always. Like it looked great. Like everything just looked beautifully done. And it also reminded me of a segment, like, I don't know what, I guess the second act in Bo is afraid when they're doing a similar thing where he's telling mm-hmm. a story about like, is it Bo? No, the the play is telling the story of Bo's life. Yeah. That's, that's what happened. Um, but also like how they were mixing practical and, you know, green screen, all the effects and stuff together to tell that story. Um, I think it was done much more successfully in this one than it was in that <laughs> movie, I think. But um, not to, not in technically, because technically it still looks good in Bones Afraid. But, you know, I think in the grand scheme of that movie it was kind of just another 30 minutes that you had to kind of sit through. But in this movie, like again, very succinct and and just well performed, well acted, well written, and looked great. I had a good time. I was excited about it. And then I'm also like really excited to see like the other short films he's made from this this book in particular because this book has a whole bunch of different stories in it, mm-hmm. um, which he's made short films short films of. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm wondering like what is what it is about. Roald Dahl's writing that is like that West really connects with and he like once and feels inspired to make stuff from. I would love to have seen Wes Anderson actually make Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Like Wes making like a a Wonka film, like that to me would be very interesting. I don't know. I'm sure he would never do it. But I like I think that would be cool. <laughs> like, or just make or making like another children's story, like into live action Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like he has the eye and the talent to do it in a way where it's interesting interesting and not like a flop so that would be really cool i don't think he'll ever do it but that would be cool if he did it's 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 clear that his writing style they match i think i I think I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him doing Wonka. I think it'd be perfect, but I think it'd be too on the nose, like because that's already yeah. kind of his world. Like nobody yeah. would expect anything, anything from him. But yeah, it's clear he has a like, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, also another uh, Roald Dahl story that he adapted. Yeah, so it's clear that his work, for some reason, really, really does speak to him real well on a creative level. So, yeah, which is really cool. Um, but yeah. I have so, nothing to add. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's it's wonderful. It's great. I, I'll see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> wish I had. I, I wish I had been aware that there was a whole series, and I I watched the whole series before I talk about it. But yeah, I I'm. Locked Are they in. out yet, or is he just making them? Yeah, they're out? um reported to be as of as of the date. Um, of course, this movie um, uh, wonderful Will of Hand and Sugar premiered on Netflix or released on um Netflix September twenty seventh. The Swan was September twenty sixth. Once again, and um, Ratcatcher was the 29th, and Poison was uh, September 30th. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So now, now I okay, really have something to look for. Yeah, to. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but moving on from that, of course, the month had recently wrapped with a new month. So, I'm just going to go over real quick the biggest movies of the year. Uh, biggest of the movies in the month, of course, had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Me and Mayhem. Uh, nine Paw Patrol, eight Oppenheimer, seven Gran Turismo, six a Blue Beetle, um, my big fat Greek wedding, um, surprisingly five, uh, Haunting of Venice, uh, four Barbie, three, uh, The Nun, two, and The Equalizer, three. Um, of course, so of the upcoming month of October, we're probably going to be see it change a bit, you know, because it's gonna kind of gonna be the the spooky season, but yeah, um. Of course, you don't expect to see Barbie Oppenheimer again in the top 10 for like the rest of the year. Um, but they had an amazing theatrical run. A lot more spooky movies coming out between now and, and like particularly this week and until the end of the month in early December. So, but yeah, it's that time of year. Are you into scary movies? Yeah. I am not into scary movies yeah. unless they're like theatrical, yeah. not theatrical, like thriller type, psychological type. But let me tell you something, because this is true. <laughs> oh, wait. Have you seen the movie Talk to Me? Uh, no. Is it a psychological thriller? You've heard of it. You've heard yeah. of it, right? Yeah. With the hand. Yeah. So I, I was not going to watch that movie, but I saw someone review it. like, And the way I literally almost had a panic attack, I was like, this is the most disturbing thing I think I've ever come across like I don't know like it was distressing and I didn't even watch the movie like she was just breaking it down kind of scene by scene like as much as you can without getting copyright struck yeah and I almost had a panic attack I was like this is so scary like this is <laughs> this is the most scary and it was and it was like what's the what's the term where it's not um what is it it's not you know, there's there's horror that's like gory horror. Yeah. But there's horror that's like supernatural. Yeah. It was like a supernatural type of horror, mm-hmm. but it was also like a, th- a psychological horror kind of mixed together. And that was the most disturbing thing I think I've ever seen. Like, I will never watch that movie, but everyone loves it. So like, but anyways, so no. <laughs> To answer your question, <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know why I don't like horror, horror movies anymore. I think it's because of a short time in like the early and mid to mid two thousands where there were no really like different examples of horror. Like you know, of course, Hitchcock is known for his psychological psychological thrillers. It's like like the early like the late nineties like into like mid two thousands was just all gory pictures, and mm-hmm. I did not enjoy myself. So I kind of have not really watched a horror movie. But I do remember as a kid, for some odd reason, always watching scary movies, like seeing Poltergeist, um, seeing, um, I don't know if it's Poltergeist, but I know it's a movie where, Chucky? like, huh? Did I didn't watch Chucky? Chucky, because Chucky, like, once again, like, that'd be, like, I, I've seen, like, Gremlins, and I've seen, like, Leprechauns from a bit, a bit, a bit of it, of course, <laughs> like, Jeff Goldblum's mm-hmm. The Fly, like, those kind of things. But it was, like, the my favorite one, of, I don't know why I don't know the name of the movie. I think it's Poltergeist, but it's one where, like, like the house becomes possessed by people, like ghosts from the um ghosts from a TV screen or whatever, to the point where like at the end of the movie, uh, the dad they spend the night at a hotel. After all this, he takes unplugs the TV and pulls it out. Like, I don't know the name of the movie, but like yeah, I love for some reason I saw movies I should not have been seeing at a young age, and that like desensitizes to a lot of worse stuff. But yeah, yeah, I did too. But the thing is, like, I can take the gory psychological stuff. Oh. Like, I watched the Saw movies. Thought those were well, at least the first few. I thought I've never seen good. any of them. I felt like part of like really? Saw two, and the person I was with got scared, so we cut it off. Like, you know, 
I've never seen a Saw movie it was, ever. It was fine. Like that, Silence of the Lambs. Um, I forget the other one that I watched. Even Black Swan. Black Swan was really gross. Yeah, but that, to me, that was more psychological, though. Yeah, and I can take that. Like, yeah. it's it does make your stomach turn. You're like, ugh. But I'm not like, okay, I can't sleep tonight. Like, it's not on that tip. Like, I'm never going to watch any of those other, like, really scary movies. Like, I'm never watching The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby or any of those. Like, I'm, I'm not touching that. We don't do the devil stuff in this household. So, <laughs> but anyways, Halloween is fun. It's just, like, I won't be watching those movies. Yeah. I think I watched... A Wes Anderson movie on Halloween. That's what I did. That's how I spent my Halloween. I was like, anyways, um, moving on <laughs> to the other news. Um, so yeah, it's official. The WGA members overwhelmingly ratified the new three-year deal with the studios. They had like two weeks to vote, and I think ninety-nine percent of it was like overwhelmingly yes. But like, there were some people who did say no to it. <laughs> Which, okay. But, um, yeah, so it's officially done now. Now it's officially done. Like, they had a period where it was done and they could return to work, but it would still have to be ratified. So now that that's over, it's official that they're back. Um, SAG has met all last week, and they're meeting again today. So we'll see if they wrap things up as well. Um, it seems from what I've been reading that, like, the talks have been productive and I don't know, I guess they'll, I guess they'll get there at some point, but it seems like a lot of movies are like gearing up to start filming again. Movies and television are gearing up to start um, filming as soon as a deal is reached. <laughs> so everyone's just like waiting for that to happen. So hopefully that happens soon, but the writer's track is done and hopefully all of the things that they put in there will hold strong for the next three years and i'm happy that they're getting everything they need and they're back to work yeah you know like i know i know this being just a three-year thing it's probably going to be it though studios are just i think probably just doing this to get it done with and then it's going to be probably going to be a rehash of the same topics in like another three years but yeah happy that that's done um and some of the projects that needed to finish writing can continue um, hopefully the same mm-hmm. thing happens with the actors. Um, but yeah, the only person who lost in this was like Drew Barrymore because now her, her head writers don't want to go back to her show. Yeah, they're hiring new people. Yeah, <laughs> all she do is wait, like wait just like a, a three days, and she would have been fine. But yeah, um, of mm-hmm. course, you know we're big fans of British drama. Um, you know, so <laughs> the the Crown to the final season. Um, the release dates have been announced. Um, it's gonna be split into two part parts. Um, with the first, uh, the first six, the first four episodes of this season will debut on the seventeenth, the sixteenth of November, and the final other six will be uh, December fourteenth. Which I think it good is good because it keeps the anticipation building. I think, and also keeps the 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 crown itself in still in uh, current. You know, social limelight is dropping everything at one time. You know, yeah, and I mean, I make it makes sense. Like, this is one of their like highly anticipated, one of the bigger shows that's come off of the platform. So, like, I guess it makes sense to split into two parts. Last season, I was not a fan of the show, so I'm I'm watching it begrudgingly because it's the last one, mm-hmm. but. Last season was rough, so <laughs> I just I hope that they got things together. I think once the Diana thing is over, hopefully it'll be better because I just I can't with them. Like I can't with that show. That really pissed me off last season. <laughs> I was like, if this season wasn't the last season, I would not be watching it. Yeah, yeah. It like I think I mean the first what four, where it's a good balance of focusing on Elizabeth and her circle. And then I think mm-hmm. what like like late into four, and this season was primarily focused on Charles, and then a Diana drama. Mm-hmm. I do think you know, and that was hard because the Diana portion of like her reign was kind of the the shortest, 
but mm. it was the most prominent based on how our generation or the world currently functions. It was the big breeding of, you know, pop culture and stuff of like that and into early exposition of like social media. So it became a real phenomenon. And I think that it was also really make or break. And also this coming season, because it's so important, because we also had Kirsten, um, uh, her portrayal of uh, of Diana in her movie, and I thought she did like a much better, better job, because we understood it was supposed to be a kind of a surrealist fictional take, but I still think her performance was a lot better than what we got um, last season. Like, they try, I think they tried too hard to make Diana quirky, which didn't really, <laughs> it didn't really work, you know? I tried to make her quirky. That's yeah. so funny. Am I wrong? They just didn't get it right. I don't yeah. know what they were trying to do. It just wasn't it just wasn't right. <laughs> like I don't know what that was. But yeah, I do agree. I do think that Kristen Stewart did a much better job in terms of like and I'm not gonna say it's like the fault of Elizabeth DeBecky. I think she did I think she's an incredible actress. I just think that like what the material they gave her. I don't know. It just wasn't like whatever portrayal of Diana that I've seen, I've never seen it be done like that. And that yeah. was just like, ooh, that's a little funky over there. So I don't know. I hope that they don't, I hope maybe they listened to the critiques. I don't know if people were actually critiquing it. Maybe it was just me and you. I'm not sure. But like, yeah. <laughs> I hope that they listened to somebody and was and changed those scripts up because yikes. But they have like William and like Kate in it in this season. So let's see how they butcher that. Like, I mean, honestly, and I don't care if they butcher it, like those two people suck. So it's fine. But <laughs> anyway, look, 40 years down the road, we'll get the crown part two. We'll have all the drama that's happened like, the last, the last three or four years. Oh my God. I out. hope so. I, I really hope somebody makes it <laughs> an actual fictionalized version of that. I just want to see it. Like, I just want to see like dr the drama of it. It's terrible, but like that'd be I good. Mean, that'd be good. I think they could have continued it. I understand the focus is solely on, you know, Elizabeth, but they could have. Like, they could have. This era kind of fits, but then you're dealing with the issue how they cover, cover topic of her death and her husband's death, and uh, yeah. So yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So. Dale, what did you watch this week? Um, I watched Rocket Man. I don't know. I never saw. Okay, so I never saw. Um, uh, what was it? The Joel Edmonton movie Sing. I never saw that, so I never heard him actually the song, and I never saw the movie. And then, but for some weird thing, like that movie, like in a weird part of time for me, I was doing like a lot of mental stress. But I had just like typed, like I only found. The song I'm still standing, and that became my like my theme song for like a good long time. Still is, I still listen mm -hmm. to it, but that was my only connection to the movie. And then I actually sat down and watched it the, the this all week this past weekend. Look, uh, uh, his this kid, the what can you call him, the kid, but he does not get enough credit as who Kate Connor? No, oh no, no uh, Edgerton. Uh, he does, yeah. <laughs> He doesn't get enough credit. Well, he plays he plays young Elton. That's no, why I thought plays, he was talking about. Yeah, no, yeah. But like I even thought those kids playing young Elton singing beautifully, like amazing. But um mm. yeah, he doesn't get enough credit for like the um how talented he is as an actor at all. Like he should be doing like mm. a lot more stuff. Like I understand people is a, a fear of being typecast, you know, as like you know, Agent Cody Banks' role because of stuff in Kingsman and stuff like that and other projects. But mm -hmm. he's really good, talented. There's no reason why he should not be seen in, seen in more more stuff on the big screen. Like, the man could, like, he's sang almost all these songs over again, so the man could sing. He's been acting in talent. Like, I feel like in old Hollywood, he would be much more of a, much more of a presence because he kind of is a triple threat. Like how old mm -hmm. Hollywood was wor working where here you don't really have to know how to sing or dance as long as you can act good. Like he can do all that. So I want to see him in more stuff. That's my wish and my goal. He needs to be in more movies, man. Yeah, I feel like you do see, and that's maybe just a problem of like the industry overall, where you're seeing like the same yeah. ten people in <laughs> every single movie that comes out a year. 
And it's like there are other people who are very good. Yeah. <laughs> Give them a chance. Like, but yeah. What happened to them? Did it do anything? What? I know people talked about it a lot, but like, did it get nominated for stuff? I think it got nominated for the soundtrack, and I think one of the a big best original song. Um, but oh, I remember okay. this this had come out at the time. I'm not sure how close this movie came out with Queen. Um, oh yeah, they did I, come out like a year apart. Like a year apart, and then I remember when Queen came, like, like there was issue where I think people were saying one was better than the other, and after watching both of these movies. Rocket Man was is a much better biographical pick, you know. I think because Elton John mm-hmm. was aware not to take himself too seriously, so there's a lot of comedy in this movie. But the issue with Queen, Queen heavily focused on Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury is not there. We're getting what his other bandmates thought he was like or thought he dealt with, and that was kind of mm. weird, you know. Yeah, and I think they try to sanitize it way too much. Yeah. That's the thing with bio with biopics. It's like. If you're going to be involved, let them do what they're going to do with it. Like, don't try to insert yourself so much into it where it's like, oh, I don't want you to look at this bad thing I did. It's like, if it's a part of your history and it's out there, then let it be shown by people who at least respect you and the story they're telling, you know? Yeah. Speaking of which, I watched the David Beckham docuseries. <laughs> um... And I was like, oh, yeah, he did come out with something. And I was fascinated by this. I was like, what is your life, dude? Like, I I don't know. The thing is, is that, like, what's interesting is that, like, David Beckham has been a part of my life. Like, David and Victoria Beckham have been a part of my life since I was a child. Yeah. But the way, like, I had no idea about, like, anything that they were doing. <laughs> and How now, is that like... Possible? Well, no, no, no. I like. I obviously knew that he was a famous footballer. I obviously knew that she was a Spice Girl. I obviously knew that yeah. she's a famous designer. Like, I, I know that. I know like the plot points, <laughs> but I didn't know like anything about their situation. I think I listened to a podcast where they were talking about their relationship, where some people were talking about their relationship, and it was about a cheating scandal but like everything else around it i didn't really know anything about their lives like i saw their iconic wedding photos where they were like dressed in purple i was like sure it was 1999 like fine like that makes sense to me um but all of the like ins and outs i didn't know but i will say that i really like watching documentaries that focus on sports stars there's something about that that I find so interesting. And there's something about like an athlete's mind that I find really compelling. Like even when I was watching the last dance, I was like, this is so interesting. Like the way that these people think is like not how like regular people think (laughs) it isn't. And also just the way where you're like the best person at your field, like in your field, like, when you know that you are the star and everyone else knows it too, like how does that change your psychology and like how you are in the world? It's very fascinating to me. Cause you know, most people who are famous won't be as candid about like how they know that they're famous and they know they have influence and power and stuff. Like they're just like, no, like they'll try to be like humble or whatever. And it's like, we know the situation, but I like in this docu-series, especially that, he they did interviews with him but they also did interviews with everybody else in his life so like he would say something like there was a little part of it where it's like when he's just becoming famous so like things are starting to really blow up for him and the guy who was interviewing him was like so did it change you and he was like no it didn't change me and then they cut to the teammate and the team was like it changed him he was he was a different person after that And it's just so funny, like, and they didn't edit it out, like, they kept that in there. So every single time that he would say something, someone else would come in with the contradiction. But I liked that, I guess, method of telling his story, that you're not just getting his perspective, like, you're getting other people's perspective that doesn't always fall in line with what he's saying, just to, like, fill out, like, what, I mean, you don't know the actual truth, because you're not there, but, like, to fill out more of the truth of like what actually was going on during that time period. 
and like his wife victoria beckham is in it so like their whole romance and how that started but also one of the things that i found really interesting was their discussion about their marriage as he was like progressively becoming more successful um and (laughs) i couldn't do it like all props to victoria because like it couldn't be me like i just don't understand like the way it's interesting because he says that he like she was already famous when he met her yeah like (laughs) so so he what he liked about her is the fact that she was you know strong and had her own career and was about her business and the thing is that she never lost that like that's always been how she how she was but that came into conflict when he had to do stuff for his job so it was like okay he was playing for man united for the longest time and then they were like we don't want you anymore and so he went to spain but the fact that he only told her like the day before they had to leave wild and they had two kids by this point so she was like i'm sorry what like we're going to spain who's going to spain like are you going to spain (laughs) because i'm not doing it and she literally had to like pick up her life and move to spain which is crazy and then he was like i'm moving to la (laughs) and so they had to pick up their lives and move to la and then as soon as they were settled in LA, he was like, I'm going to Milan. Like, girl, you need to stop. Like, it's just crazy how he would just like make decisions. And then his family had to just be like, figure it out. And I think later on in the docuseries, he, he like acknowledges like, okay, yeah, I was definitely selfish. Like I shouldn't have just been doing all that stuff and not <laughs> focusing. Cause a lot of times what he would say in the docuseries is like, well, football is everything family's everything but football is everything so he like made he made the football the priority in his life and so did everyone else like that's what was kind of sketchy to me also the 90s and the early 2000s were a terrible time period like i'm very glad that we don't live in that anymore it was absolutely terrible um like actually horrible like i'm so glad i'm i was just a child and i didn't have to live through that because yikes um because so much things so many things would happen to him and he would just like suppress it because you know mental health was not a discussion that was happening in the early 90s so but besides the point i just i think he realized that like he never let his family be the priority in his life and the people around him were like you just need to focus on the football and they saw her as a distraction so like so like the head coach of his team didn't like her because he thought that she was distracting him from his game. Which is crazy to me. Cause like the way that he literally was like holding down his team, like, <laughs> like not him, like lifting the team up on his shoulders, the entire thing. And like, y'all are really here questioning him being like, <laughs> he's not focused. What are you talking about? Like, I mean, he was one of the stars of English soccer, but he wasn't the only thing on that man that man new team. But yeah, and I think their relationship also mar- their relationship issues also married uh, show up in, with their careers as well. Because he as he got more popular in the nineties, early thousands, it was kind of the end of the the spy the Spice Girls were kind of dropping in like global fame. And it's weird, like how he became famous because he didn't become famous over here for being like a football like an amazing one of the world's best football players yeah. of all. He he became famous for like just having a pretty face and being a model. Like like I find I find that so weird. It was not his athletic accomplishments. Like unless you were into into soccer, you knew him for being a model or having a pretty face or marrying her. You know, because like I said, Spice Girls had a big impact globally as well as here. Soccer mm-hmm. was at the bottom. Like and people only found out he was a soccer player. I think it's when he went to LA. That's why I remember people asked me like, "Oh, you know who David Beckham is? X Y Z? You know he played football?" I was like, "Yes." I'm well aware. I'm well aware. They That's didn't know did. that until he moved to LA. A lot of people didn't. Like, cause remember, like soccer wasn't like a thing. Like during that time period, it's not big here. Yeah, yeah it's not big here. And like back then, it wasn't as big. It was. It wasn't even as big as it is now. So yeah, which I find funny. Like he wasn't known for his athletic prowess. He was known for no. Good. Yeah, and he was like a brand. Yeah. And like that was something that he was like very intentional about, like being a brand and making it 
So whereas like, yeah, I play football, but also like I'm a business and he like very much focused on that, which is really interesting because like and now that's kind of like a given, like your sports stars are also brands. I don't know if it was like, I'm sure it was like that back in the day, like especially by the time he was in it. I know for basketball, it definitely was like that. But it's interesting that like he was very much like on the forefront being like, no, I'm <laughs> I will be like doing these deals. Like, I don't like I will play football and I'll do it well. But and and the thing is, oh. during that time, he wasn't even the best. Football. He was one of one of the best. Like, you know, in basketball, you have your top five football, you have your top five who, yeah. who are the best. But he was not at that time. He was not number one. So that's also mm. the amazing thing. Like he wasn't like the face of when you think football, like at that time in the nineties, it wasn't you would think Ronaldinho. You wouldn't think, you know, you weren't thinking Beckham. Like he was up there, but he wasn't the main face. Whereas, you know, basketball, football, those things are hard to find. Unless you're like that guy at that position. Like mm-hmm. football is easier because you have multiple positions. But like if you, you weren't getting those opportunities, like he was the first non draw to do that you know yeah and yeah i thought his story was really interesting it's funny because like his kids are like famous now but like they don't do anything really like they're really just famous for being famous and (laughs) that kind of makes me laugh (laughs) not because like they're incapable but famous for being famous for my parents being famous so it's not a bad a bad way to be famous, I guess. That's how you. Yeah, I mean, as it. long as they're not like dicks, like fine. But it is funny because like his son, which one is it, Brooklyn? Um, he tried to be a photographer and it was not. He like had a whole little art display and everyone was like, "What is this?" So, I don't know. But and the fact that him and his wife their entire relationship has been literally shoved down everyone's throats. It's just too much. It's too much. But I think his, again, the whole athlete story of like, when you're working so hard and you've been trained to be like the best, like he he was like being trained since he was like five (laughs) to do this. It does show like you can just, and then I think one of the things that they were saying was that like, when you do retire and you stop playing, it's it's really hard to actually not do it anymore because mm. you're you're like addicted to the adrenaline of playing, you know, these big matches in front of so many people. I don't even know how you can go out there and not even be nervous. Like I don't even know. Like the those stadiums were packed. Mm. Like every single one of them were packed. Solid. And he was doing it. And did you know about the thing? Well, I think you're into football, so you must know. Mm-hmm. About the time when he was, he wasn't England's captain, but he played for the World Cup. Yeah. And I think he, like, kicked one of the players, and the entire country hated his guts for it for years. <laughs> I yeah, was I think, like, I think it was he what kind of madness? Somebody's face, yeah. I said, what kind of madness? No, he didn't even kick in their face. One of the guys, like, kicked him, and then he, like, kicked him in, he kicked him back in response. And everyone was like, oh, you're the reason why we got disqualified. You're the reason why we lost. And the entire country hated him to the point where they were, like, burning him in effigy. Like, I'm sorry, England, they're not okay over there. Like, I don't know what the heck that was. Like, how y'all getting this upset Uh, over this game? uh, So, uh, let me explain. Because the thing is, um, England is one of the, like... Like basketball in America, like everybody's like America can't suck at basketball. We invented basketball. That's the kind of thing with with football, soccer, over there. Like England was the one of the OG teams that would dominate every World Cup or every tournament, and then for like the seventies, almost eighties, they haven't been the best teams in the world. So every time they put together a top flight World Cup team and they fail, it's always like horrible. I remember a couple years ago where they. The U.S. team sucks. The U.S. men's team sucks. But they drew with England. Americans are celebrating it like it was a victory, and all the Brits are pissed off. Like, that's how important it is for them, you know? Psychos. Yeah. <laughs> Actual psychopaths. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting, and um, yeah, I learned a lot. I, and I was, like, into it, which is weird, because I don't 
I'm not into football at all. Mm. Um, whether it's overseas or here, I don't like the game at all. But I do think that there's something about when people are just really good at what they do, there's something really interesting in that and understanding that psychology. Like, I love Bend It Like Beckham. That was my movie back in the day. So I was like, okay, I'm down for this. But they didn't even mention it in the docuseries, which made me kind of sad. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Checking out. And it's like, and his impact as athletes goes beyond the whole becoming a brand thing. Like, he's like one of the first athletes, I think, or former athletes to own a team. Like, you know, Jordan. He owns Jordan, a team now. Yeah, Jordan, that was part of his whole MLS deal when he first came over. Like, yeah, we know Jordan owned this, the, um, the Hornets and he just recently killed it. But like he's part of like the ownership for, you know, uh Inter Miami, which, you know, now has um Messi over. Like probably on that same deal where he gets to own an MLS team down the road as well. But yeah. Okay. Messi is Lionel from Messi. France? Lionel Messi is from he's Argentinian. He's Argentinian. He's Argentinian. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, because Mbappe, he's from France, right? Mbappe's from France, yes. Okay, there we go. I, I I know something. I know something. I know one thing. <laughs> Wait, so where does Cristiano Ronaldo and all those other folks Cristiano come in? Cristiano Ronaldo, it's usually the top two battle for the best of this era right now. What's the timeline? Where are we at? <laughs> I'm going to say, like, after Beckham, after Ronaldinho, so I want to say about, it probably about since, like, 20, 2010. Like for the last ten okay. years of being okay. the best, the best players in the world, like the main guy has been like between Messi and, and Ronaldo, you know. Okay. But we'll, the only thing that was limiting, neither of them had won, won a World Cup, and so now that Messi has finally won his World Cup, he is like unanimously the best in the world. And the person next up they're saying right now is um Kylian Mbappe. So yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right. I also watched Loki season two. So the show is finally back. They have um, Ki Hoi Kwan in it. And he was very adorable. I love seeing him in that. I was just like, yay. <laughs> Apparently, like, after everything, everywhere, all at once, Kevin Foggy was, like, the first person to call him and ask him to be a part of the Marvel universe, which is like dope. I'm glad that he, I'm glad that he's employed and he is doing good things. Cause like there was such a long period of time where he wasn't working. So like give him all the things. I'm very happy for him. Yeah. But Loki season two is back and I'm really excited because the first episode, first of all, is shot so well. Like it looks incredible. Um, But also I feel like what I'm hoping is that they take a more mature kind of slant of how they're going to tell the story. Um, Cause honestly, Loki was the best of the shows of the Disney plus shows period. In my opinion, like hands down, one of the best, if not the best, like the other, the other shows have really struggled um, in terms of like, do we even care or we're just watching this because we have to know what happens so we can watch the next movie. I just feel like this show in particular had a very distinct blueprint where it's like, no, this show is actually very good. And it also is a Disney plus show. So like we have the balance. Jonathan Majors. I don't know what they're going to do with that because he is very much in this. So um, for their sakes, I don't know, but like I, it's going to be weird because they really have deeply built this entire next phase around this one man. So like, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen because like, it's the first episode and he's everywhere. So I'm just like, okay, I don't know what y'all going to do with that, but <laughs> it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see the dilemma they're in. Look, to me, it's a, both a good and a bad thing, um, mm -hmm. his involvement. But it, I think now Disney's in a period, particularly the Marvel part, are in a waiting period of let's see how this case like proceeds before we step any further, which I think is good because I think Marvel got to happen with their Disney Plus projects along with their theatrical stuff of pumping them right back after one another. But you see now 
like especially post Spider-Man, that they've been slow. They realize that's not good. That's slowing it down a bit. You know, with with their release dates. Um, like I said, like Loki, Loki, and I do think um WandaVision were two of their most inventive and stylistic shows. You know, from that mm. realm of Marvel. You know, uh, like I think like particularly was it Falcon and um, Winter Soldier. Like that mm-hmm. was a bit of a letdown. We expected more of that typical Captain America spy espionage elements on it, and we didn't get that. So yeah, I'm happy Loki's back. Um, Me too. Yeah, that Jonathan Majors issue is yeah. <laughs> yeah, after Secret Wars, I mean Secret Invasion. <laughs> I don't know. That was such a. I can't even with that show. Like I, wow, it was not good. So yeah. like. I'm glad that this is back, and apparently it's the second it's the second most viewed season premiere on Disney Plus this year, um, and so everyone was really and so the viewership has like done very well. I just, yeah, I ho- I don't know. It's weird because it's like I think there are some things that these companies, these studios have like bank that certain will make money. And then when it doesn't work, it's like, oh, this is the end for them. But then you'll have like outliers, like Warner Brothers will have Barbie and then you'll have Oppenheimer and you'll have like this show that does really well. And it's like, oh, okay, well maybe it's not over yet. And I hope that, and we know that we, they won't learn the right lessons, but you would hope that they would learn the right lessons of like what is working, what people actually want to see versus what you're just trying to shove out to make money. So. I'm excited to keep watching. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that is all from us this week. We hope that you are taking care of yourselves and you're doing well. Make sure to check out all of our social media. Support us if you can. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye. Au revoir.